Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to, take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will, you will know my Father as well. For now, from, now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Psalm 33. <coughs> Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful and in, in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He put the, the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the, of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stands firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who, he who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes his escaped by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Yeah. All right, well, can I encourage you to uh, keep your Bibles open in front of you? Uh, as we uh, we're going to be considering this psalm this morning, I just thought um, we read um, John 14 before, just to I guess get a feel for um, the goal of God's plan, 
uh, the goal of God's plan, which was to bring us uh, into fellowship with himself, uh, to prepare for us a place where we would know him and be secure uh, in his care. And he did that through uh, sending Jesus as the way, uh, the truth and the life. Uh, we're going to be thinking a little bit about God's plans as we consider Psalm 33 this morning. So um, keep it open in front of you. Uh, now, when I was younger, uh, I used to do um, a fair bit of surfing with a, a couple of my mates. Now, I was never particularly good at surfing, um, but I, I used to fancy myself as being fairly, pretty fearless. Uh, I thought I was pretty tough and could take uh, on whatever the ocean threw at me. Now, one day, uh, when I was about 18, um, that pride-filled notion uh, was revealed for the foolishness that it was. Uh, there was, on this one particular day, uh, there was a, a pretty big swell running uh, on the, the coast of Wollongong, where I grew up. Uh, but we, my, and my mates and myself, we thought we could take it on. Uh, and so we, uh, we decided to go surfing at a, a break off uh, a place called Wingdang Island, uh, which is at the lake of, uh, sorry, the, the mouth of Lake Illawarra, if anyone knows uh, Wollongong. Uh, we decided we'd surf out there. Now, we managed to make it out the back, uh, and I even caught a wave or two. Uh, but then these massive sets came in. Uh, now, I remember paddling hard to try and get under these, these waves before they broke, uh, but I didn't make it. Uh, as, I w as I duck dived, uh, my, my board was just torn out of my hands like I was nothing. Uh, and then I was dragged along by these waves. Uh, and, and I couldn't get up for air. I couldn't get up for air. Now, eventually the first wave that, that grabbed me let me go. Um, but, but just as I surfaced, uh, the next wave hit me. Uh, and I was dragged uh, the entire length of the island in those, in those two waves. They were big, powerful waves. Uh, I remember lying on the beach uh, after I'd sort of made my way in, thinking I was close to death. Uh, I, was, I was close to not, not making it through that. Uh, my illusions of strength, my illusions of control, my illusions of being tough had been shattered. Uh, needless to say, I didn't go back out that day, uh, and I was far more circumspect uh, from that day on as, as, as I surfed. You see, I think we can live with a sense of, of control uh, we can live with a sense of thinking that we're wise, that we're strong, that we, we convince ourselves that we're, we're somehow invincible, uh, maybe more so when we're young than when we're old, but I, but I think we, we actually fall back into this way of thinking quite often. But then something happens. Uh, we suffer an accident. Uh, we get really sick. We, we lose our job in a recession. Uh, someone we love dies. And suddenly that, that illusion of control, that illusion of strength is gone. Peeled back to reveal the truth that, that ultimately we're at the mercy of forces that are so much bigger than ourselves. Now it's at those times, it's at those times when, when things go wrong, when things don't pan out according to, to our carefully constructed uh, sort of plans, script, that it's crucial that we know who or what are those forces that control the universe. 
Who is in control? What is in control? Can we trust it? Now in the psalm we're looking at this morning, we're called to turn our gaze upon the one who we're told is in control and to praise him for who he is and for what he's done. Now, as, I, as we unpack this psalm this morning, I want to do so looking at it in five parts. First of all, I want us to see how it gives us an exhortation. Uh, then, a reason for praise, a warning, an encouragement, and finally, a confession. We'll work our way through each of these things. So let's start at the beginning uh, with the psalmist uh, exhortation to praise. Now in Psalms, sorry, in verses one to three, we're called or we're urged by the psalmist to praise God. He sings, he says, he sing joyfully to the Lord, to use music that that lifts up His name, uh, to sing a new song to the Lord using skill and enthusiasm. He says, with joy. Now the only overwhelming thrust of these verses is a call to, call to, to joyful, even uh, even exuberant sort of worship and praise to unshackle ourselves from focusing just on on ourselves and and on our concerns and our worries in the world and instead to turn our eyes to him to turn our focus uh, to his goodness and his power verse 1 says that it's fitting it's fitting that God's people delight in him and shout for joy Now, it's fitting because that's what he deserves. Uh, And why does he deserve it? Why does he deserve it? Well, in verses 4 to 9, the psalmist gives us two reasons why God deserves our praise and adoration. First, he says in verses 4 and 5 that God deserves our praise and our adoration for his faithful character. For his faithful character. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love, the psalmist declares. So God deserves our praise for his faithfulness, his justice and love. Now, now as you read the the story of redemption uh, in the Bible, and particularly the history of Israel, you see God's God's faithful character shining through again and again. Despite the way humanity has treated him from the very beginning, uh, ignoring him and and trying to to grab his glory for ourselves, despite the way uh, Israel treated him, presuming on his grace, running after idols, ignoring his law, Despite all of that, God throughout the story of the Bible has remained faithful. He has remained faithful. He has continued to show love and mercy in the face of sin and rebellion. A truth that culminated in the sending of Jesus to open a way to forgiveness and to reconciliation. Now at the cross, God's faithfulness, love and justice come together in perfect unity. Because through the cross, God opened up a way for salvation uh, for sinful humanity, not by ignoring our sin, not by ignoring uh, justice and, and, and just sort of looking the other way, 
but by taking justice upon himself, by bearing uh, our punishment on himself so that sin would be justly punished, so that, but so that we could be justified, so that we could be declared righteous in his sight. So first, we're called to praise God for his faithful character. Secondly, in verses 6 to 9, we're called to praise him for his creative, <coughs> creative power. Uh, by the word of the Lord, we read there, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Now, here is true power uh, that dwarfs anything that humanity can do. Now, being in, made in the image of God, uh, we have the power to be able to take God's creation and to be able to form it into new things. And we can make some pretty cool stuff if you look around the world. Aeroplanes, computers, uh, satellites, land cruisers. Uh, but the reality is that all that is nothing, nothing compared to the one who is able to breathe a universe into existence simply by the power of his word who is able to, to not only breathe it into existence, but to sustain it, to fuel it, simply by his command. That's true power. That is true power just to be, to be marveled at, to be stood back at and just, just marveled at. No wonder the psalmist declares in verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. You see, our every moment, our every moment is dependent on His sustaining grace. Every breath that we take is a gift from Him, is a gift from Him. And rightly, we should revere Him. We should rejoice in His sustaining power and grace, especially, especially in the light of our sin and our failure. Because let's be honest, we deserve none of it. We don't deserve his sustaining grace. And yet he continues to moment by moment uphold not only this universe, but our very lives. So we are called to joyfully praise God for his character and his power. But the psalmist also warns us to put our trust in God because he is the one who guides history. And so this is the third point. Uh, the psalmist gives us a warning. In verses 10 to 15, the psalmist uh, peels back the curtain, so to speak, uh, so that we, we get to look behind the veil of history to the one who truly controls what happens in this universe. In, in verses 10 and 11, we read this. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Now these verses are not necessarily saying that, uh, that all human planning is somehow wrong. Uh, nor are they saying that, that God sort of takes some perverse delight in, in thwarting our plans. The plans that are referred to here, as the psalmist says, uh, the Lord foils the plans of the nations and thwarts the purpose of the people. The plans that, that the psalmist is talking about here are hu humanity's scheming against God for its own glory, for its own power, for its own recognition. 
Now, ever since the fall, humanity has, has, has tried, has sought to, to cast history into its own mold for its own glory. Now, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve in the garden made a grab for, for power and for glory when they ignored God's command and they thought, we know better. Uh, we can decide uh, right and wrong for ourselves. We have the wisdom to choose what is good for us. And so they ignored God's command and they followed their own wisdom. Uh, the builders uh, in the, bower of, uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, they sought to make a tower. Why? So that they could rival God's glory, so that they could make a name for themselves on the earth, so that, so that they could feel like they were something special. Uh, and, and this is the way it has been throughout uh, history. Uh, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, Alexander the Great, uh, the Romans, uh, the Nazi regime, uh, they were all going to, to rule the world. They all sought to, to have dominion over the world. But where are they now? They seem so powerful. They seem so powerful, but, but where are they now? They are gone. They are footnotes in God's unfolding story. They thought they could control the world, shape history around their own designs and their own wisdom and their own glory. But now they're gone. As humans, we can live with an illusion of power, an illusion of control for a time. But history has a way of showing us for what, that, for what it is. Now, I wonder if... Um, uh, what you think would have been the world's response uh, if in 2019 you would have said in one year's time, in one year's time the world is going to be brought to its knees by a pandemic, that whole nations would be locked up, that millions of people would be dying from a virus. What would you have said? I think most people would have thought, nah, we're beyond that. We're beyond that. With the control that we have over medicine these days, we don't have to fear about things like pandemics anymore. We're supposed to be defeating diseases, not, not succumbing to them. But history will tell a different story. But it's really the same story. It's the same story that has been written right across the whole of history. God has granted humanity a certain amount of control, but ultimately, ultimately, his plans, not ours, are the ones that prevail. Ultimately, our sense of control is a thin veneer that quickly evaporates when we're exposed to the forces of the universe. But as we're reminded in verse 11, God is in control, and he works not simply with a, with a one-year plan, uh, it doesn't work with a 10-year plan or even a 100-year plan. God is working with an on an eternal canvas. History is his story, designed to point us beyond the here and now, beyond ourselves to eternity. Now, from the time of the fall, God uh, declared he was working on a plan to rescue humanity. From the very moment that of the fall, he said that he would bring one who would crush the head of Satan. And throughout the scriptures, that, that plan is unfolded. 
uh, it was that plan that drove the actions, God's actions with Israel. It was that plan of redemption that, of, that ultimately drove Jesus into the world to open up a way to reconciliation and eternal life. Now at the cross, we see the truth of verses 10 and 11 here uh, demonstrated in a powerful way. We see the truth of how God's power can thwart human plans, but actually use them, turn them to his own purposes. Uh, Peter sums it up beautifully in Acts 4, uh, where he says this, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city. Why? To conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. You see, the Gentiles and the Jews, in other words, representatives of all humanity, conspired against God by, by killing Jesus. But what does Peter say? They did what your power and will had decided to beforehand should happen. God thwarted their plans by turning them to his own purposes. In the cross, humanity stood against God and his saviour, but in doing so, they actually brought to fruition God's plan of salvation. Now, there is a mystery here, but it is a wonderful, comforting mystery. God is so much bigger. He is so much wiser. He is so much more righteous than us. Why? Well, because he sees and he knows all things. Have a look at what uh, we read in verses 13 to 15. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. God knows. God sees in a way that humanity never can. And his motives are not greedy. They're not corrupt, but are driven by justice and love as demonstrated in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Now, it's for this reason, for this reason that the psalmist warns us against misplaced trust in humanity, including our own ability to control our lives. In verses 16 and 17, he warns this. He warns us saying this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Now the psalmist here draws on uh, military uh, imagery, but it's applicable to many areas of our lives where we're tempted to trust in the things of this world or tempted to trust in our own strength and our wisdom. You see, we can be tempted to, to put our trust in, in wealth or, or in our ability to earn. But wealth can be taken away. It can be lost in a moment in a stock market crash. Our ability to earn can be taken away in a moment, lost in an accident. We can be tempted to put our hope in, in human governments, uh, thinking that they can protect us, that, that they can somehow create heaven on earth. But they're only human and subject to all the same weaknesses and corruptions that we have we can be tempted to put our trust in other people to meet our need for for security and for love but the reality is that that they're fallen and fragile just like us they can let us down 
they can be taken away by death. Just as history is replete with examples of nations that have had the bigger army, but, were ultim- but ultimately lost the war, so it is filled with examples of people that thought they were in control, thought they had everything sorted, only for it all to come unraveled. Now, it's not that there's anything wrong with, with these things. Uh, wealth, governments, other people. Just as there's nothing wrong with horses and armies, there's nothing wrong with these things. But the Bible warns us against putting our trust in them, against thinking that they can be the ones, that, the things that secure us. Because they are frail and they are fickle. They can be taken away and they can't ultimately save. Instead, the Bible urges us to put our faith in God, to rest in Him, to entrust ourselves to His wisdom and strength. Have a look at the wonderful promise we're given in verses 18 and 19. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. What a truly freeing, what a beautiful promise this is. That we don't have to trust in ourselves. That we don't have to trust in our own wisdom, in our own power, in our own scheming and plans. That we're, It reminds us too that we're not at, at the uh, mercy of blind chance in this universe. But that we can entrust ourselves into the care of the one who is ruling over history that he will watch over us that he will ultimately secure us in his eternal plan one for us by Jesus that he will deliver us from death and usher us ultimately one day into eternal life now this truth that the psalmist is talking about here this truth doesn't mean that we can just then somehow live recklessly Uh, Or we can disregard our responsibility, the responsibility we have to be good stewards of our time and our our energy and our resources. Uh, Nor does it mean that we will never face adversity. We still live in a fallen world. We still have bodies that age, that are subject to sickness. We're still surrounded by sinful people and we suffer from their sin. We suffer too from our own sinful decisions that we make at times. But what it does mean, what it does mean is that we can live with the comfort of knowing that ultimately God is in control. That even when our life deviates from our carefully made plans, we can can stand back and we can trust that even though we didn't plan it this way, that God has a better plan. That God is, is doing something in and through what is happening. We can shed the weight of thinking that it's all about me, my strength, my wisdom. And we can rest in the knowledge that God will watch over us. Not only in this life, but that he will bring us safely into eternal life. Because remember, remember God's, God's plan is eternal. God's plan, goal is not limited to the things of this short life. And and in the scheme of eternity, this life is like that. God's plans are eternal. He's securing us a place in eternity. 
in his house with him where there will be no more crying, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more dying or sickness, where the old order of things, that is the order of sin and decay, the old order of things will be no more. Everything will be restored. Now the psalmist finishes uh, in verses 20 to 22 with a confession that we as God's people can make our own. He says there, we wait, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now I pray that together, uh, both as individuals and as a church, we can more and more make this confession our own, that we can wait in hope for the Lord, that we can know that he is our hope and our help and our shield, and that our hearts will rejoice in knowing that his eyes are on us, and that we will find God's peace and comfort in him as we walk this life of faith. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for what this psalm has reminded us, both of who you are and of what you have done, but also, Lord, of our, our sinful tendency uh, to think that we know better, to think that we can look somewhere else to find our security, to find our hope, to find our rest. Lord, we pray that you'll forgive us for the times that we have for the times when we've, we've turned away from you to other things, when we've made idols out of the things of this world, whether that be wealth, whether that be people, Lord, whether that be uh, things. Father, we pray that you would forgive us and we pray that you would renew us in the, in the truths of this psalm, the truth that you are watching over, not just us, but the whole of history and that you are in control, and that we can trust your wisdom and your power. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.